I'm not pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work at home edition. So today I'm with Jess Dunks and we're going to talk all about the line between Acorn and Eternal. Hey Jess. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, how's it going? Okay. So what I've done is I made a list of cards that people keep asking me about. Either they're acorn cards, people are like, why is it eternal? Or they're eternal cards, like, why isn't this acorn? So I picked a list of stuff I get asked most about. So you and I can chat about why exactly it was, how it ended up where it ended up. Sound good? Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love that. Okay, first up is animate object. So four and a blue sorcery. You get seven tickets. Choose an intimate object you own from outside the game. Put a power and toughness sticker on it. You may also put a name sticker, an art sticker, and or an ability sticker on it. Put it onto the battlefield as a creature. Okay, this is an acorn card. Why? Right. Why? Why is this an acorn card? Um, I, there are a couple of reasons it's an acorn card. One of the main reasons is this brings some you know, unknown object into the game. We, we aren't a huge fan of that. You, you could point to some older cards that do that, like Goblin Game. Uh, we don't really do that anymore in uh, in... In traditional magic, a goblin game tells players to hide some number of items. Um, but uh, in addition to that, it's just hard to define what this creature is and how the stickers apply to it and, and things of that nature. Um, in retro, you know, we actually tried to make this one uh, not acorn, if you remember. I'm sure you do. I do. We tried to make this one not acorn, and uh, basically what it came down to is that the words needed to make this card not acorn ended up really long and confusing in a way that would, I don't even think it was been on the card and my memory might not be serving me here but yeah. uh it ended up it, it ended up being something where it's like this is the, not really where, where we wanted to go with this card yeah the reason this was more than anything else this was acorn because how we could template it as an acorn card versus how we would need to template it as an eternal card we could just put in such simple english on an acorn card right. and it would, i mean we didn't even know if it would fit in eternal but uh, Matt, the editor, beg begged me. He goes, "Please, please, please, can we just make this an acorn card?" Uh, yeah. And so we did. Um, so it's a good example where it's possible to do it as an eternal, but right it requires a lot more words and has a lot more issues, and it would be much more confusing what it did. So that that's why this ended up acorn. Okay, next one is one that I was most shocked by when you said it was eternal. Uh, so it is called Exchange of Words. So one blue, blue oh, yeah, okay. enchantment. When exchange of words enters the battlefield, choose two target creatures. For as long as exchange of words remains on the battlefield, exchange the text boxes of those creatures. Now, right. in Unstable, I, for the first time, stole like text boxes and stuff. And so I thought that was clearly Silver Border. But you said, no, we can do this in Eternal. So what's going on? Yeah, well, we can do it in Eternal. Um the thing about exchange of words is it's, it's doing a very specific thing in a very specific way. We, we couldn't be able to do text box stuff, you know, at large. If you wanted to make a whole set where the, the, the main theme is doing stuff to text boxes, we might have to have a discussion about how you know, it's a pretty narrow line on what you can do. But but the uh, uh, the rules changes we made for exchange of words, and there were a couple, uh, basically just defined how it works when, when you have a text changing effects that, that swaps these two these two sets of text boxes. Um, so we basically said text box has this particular meaning and comprehensive rules under the hood and, um, and it could be, it could be swapped. And this is a really good example of cards where the rules for it, you know, when, when you, we started talking about it, the rules didn't really quite cover it, but it was relatively easy to make a couple of tweaks to say, yeah, maybe we can cover this. And, uh, the, the, the text on the card, I think is fairly straightforward as to what it does. 
does and players understand it without needing that extra rules package to be on the card. Yeah, that's another thing that's important to understand is for normal magic, we make cards that don't work in the rules all the time. It's the question of can we make them work in the rules? Not like a lot of the stuff we make right. doesn't work because the rules have never done it before. So clearly there's no rules for it. Yeah, that's a conversation I have every day when somebody is like, can we do this? I'm like, well, yes. What do we want it to do exactly? And <laughs> uh, and let's figure it out. Um, it, a little off topic, but I, I just that's one of the things I enjoy is is when people say, does this work in the rules? Like, well, not yet. No, but we can do that. <laughs> Okay, so now we'll get to a card that has a little a little trouble working in the rules, but players think it, players really think it works. Far out, two and a yeah. white enchantment. Rather than choose the indicated number of modes for spells and abilities you control, you may choose one or more modes. You can't choose any mode more than once. So I get this is one of the cards I get asked most, like why can't we do this in in a non acorn? So why right. can't we do this? So. The reason we can't do this in non-acorn, um, that there are a few cards that currently exist um, that have modes which are which are mutually exclusive from one another. What that means is they literally can't be applied at the same time. You can't you can't choose all of them and have it work. A great example of this is um, Outlaw's Merriment, uh, which each mode lists a set of, of characteristics, including a power and toughness, and then it creates a token with those characteristics. And and the game rules can't handle an object having more than one set of power and toughness. Now. I've seen a lot of people talk about, oh, you could have changed that one card or, or the few examples of cards that there are that that do that and have some different text. We could do that. Um, it would make those cards long enough that reprinting them would make them nearly unreadable because the text would be so small. And also, um, that's design space we would be locking ourselves off from in the future. And part of our job is to make sure we were, we're making sure we could continue to make lots of fun magic cards. Yeah, that's something that people have to realize is there's a lot of future-proofing when it's not just a matter of can we do it, but if we do it, what does it prevent us from doing in the future? And that's that's an important thing to think about. Right. Well, the, the other side of that, too, is we try really hard. Um, there, there have been exceptions in the past. We try really hard not to say, okay, well, we made this new card that we want, so let's go change cards we made in the past in order to make it work. Um, yeah. We, we, speaking, we, we want old cards to do what they say on them. Yeah, you, you got to be very careful with that, so... Okay, next up, Goblin Girder Gang. Three and a red for a zero four Goblin Employee. It's a creature. It's got reach. Whenever you roll a result not stored on Goblin Girder Gang, you may store that result on it. Oh, I'm sorry. I I, I just realized it's the wrong card. I meant Goblin Blast Blastronauts. Sorry, Goblin Blastronauts. Oh, okay. That's the card I meant. Sorry. Three red red creature Goblin Employee five four. When Goblin Blastronauts enters the battlefield, open an attraction. Whenever you roll a six, you may copy the spell, uh, ability, or attraction visit that caused you to roll that die. You may choose new targets for the copy. I apologize. I confused my goblins. Goblin Blastronauts is the one we had to make acorn. Um, and a lot of people are like, why? Why does it have to be acorn? Uh, Goblin Blastronauts is trying to do something where um, it, 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 it's copying the ability that caused you to roll a die. Um, and it's a triggered ability. Uh, the one of the issues here is there are a couple of them. One of the issues here is that you're rolling the die as part of the resolution of that spell or ability. As as you finish casting it, nobody's <coughs> responded, encountered it, and now we're we're actually doing taking all the steps to do it. Then after you're done with that, the trigger ability goes on the stack and tries to make a copy of that spell or ability. And the, the numerous ways that we make die rolls in Magic. Uh, and choose targets for things and so on. Um, then the timing of magic, those things just didn't work to actually 
let us make this thing work that way. Um, I could probably take up a good chunk of the podcast talking about exactly why, but the, the large problems here are the timing of when you're actually making this copy and whether or not the, the item you're copying is, is actually something that can be copied at that point because you've already finished resolving it at that point. Okay. Uh, next up uh, is Grand Marshal Macy. So she's one white black for a 2-2 legendary creature, human performer. You may choose not to untap Grand Marshal Macy during your untap step. If you do, put a pause counter on it. Then you lose one life for each pause counter on it. Whenever Macy becomes untapped, remove all pause counters from it. Two and tap, choose an until end of turn or this turn effect. As long as Macy remains tapped, that effect doesn't end. So this was an effect I thought yeah. maybe we could do. And you were like, no, let's not do this. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, there. Uh, I will say this one wasn't just a problem for me. There were also concerns about what this would do in some... I think there were concerns about what this yeah, would yeah, do uh, in some internal formats. There, there were some concerns about this in internal formats, but um, I was uh, under the belief that we... Could we have done this Like, if, if we didn't have... No, a, no, no, that's, okay. that's not exactly what I meant. Oh, okay. Uh, I, <laughs> um, this would be difficult to do, and the reason it's difficult to do is because... Um, the concept of an effect isn't always clear. It's easy to point at a spell or an ability and say, this thing, I want this thing. But spells and abilities have multiple effects that happen, so the word effect can mean a variety of different things in magic. So when you're looking at an effect, um, you know, giant growth is very obviously, oh, it's got an effect. It gives this thing plus three, plus three until end of turn. Um, but what if it gives it, what if a spell gives something plus three, plus three and trample? Well, as far as the rules are concerned, that's two different effects. When does each one start? When does it end? Uh, which one is this applying to? Those things are not well-defined. This would have required a pretty big lift of new rule support to make it work, and it wasn't something we were um, we're, we're currently set up for in the rules kind of at all. Okay, next up, uh, it came from Planet Glurg. XX Green Blue for a zero, 0 legendary creature Alien Ooze. You may have it came from Planet Glurg, enter the battlefield as a copy of X different creatures on the battlefield. Yeah, this is this is another oh, one I get yeah. asked all the time, like, why is this acorn? Why couldn't couldn't we just do this? Uh yeah, this is a um this is a really interesting one, and it's something we have to watch out for as we make magic card templates regularly, is uh, um the, the game rules don't support one thing becoming a copy of multiple other things. And it kind of ties into the question we had earlier about far out is you end up getting a whole bunch of different sets of, of characteristics and on the battlefield the game can't handle things like having more than one set of power and toughness um so it, primarily it's just that um on the battlefield objects only have one set of characteristics and that's been a really important part of how how magic rules are framed and a lot of things are framed around that assumption so breaking that assumption breaks a lot of things and how how the magic rules work Okay. Next up, Magar of the Magic Strings. Uh, he is a one black red for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature, Minotaur Performer. One black red. Note the name of target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard and put it onto the battlefield face down. It's a 3-3 three, three creature with, quote, whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you may create a copy of the card with a noted name. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost, unquote. And, quote, if this creature would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else, unquote. So I know of every card in the set, I think this, this template went through more changes than any other card in the mm -hmm. set. 
Yeah, I went through a lot. That's for sure. Um, I remember uh, the initial version you pitched was somewhat different than that, um, and and uh, it went through a bunch of changes. So this one. This one, this is not Acorn. No, this is Eternal. This is an Eternal card. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So so this one's Eternal. Is the question, why is it Eternal? Or what? Yeah, a lot of like, people are like, this seems like the kind of card that might be Acorn. And yeah. um, like, this is one of the cards that I remember. The reason we kept rewording it is, but you said you thought it could be Eternal. And like, I really, I, I, I wanted to make some weird commanders that you would build decks around that were really weird, but yet were still Eternal. And this was my poster child for, please, please, can we keep this eternal as possible? Yeah, yeah, this one, this one went through a lot of changes, and it is a weird one, um, you know, and it's obviously jumping through a lot of hoops in its text box, uh, with uh, noting things and, and making a copy of a noted spell, when what you're really trying to do is just look at what this card is and cast a copy of it, right? That's functionally what's happening when you look at that card. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so it ended up with a lot of different templating changes to make sure that that could actually work. Uh, and you know, I, I, as far as why is this eternal? Well, we had to build a couple of rules to support it. Uh, one, actually, I think one exactly rule to support it. But uh, we have been expanding what we can do with um, making copies of objects and and things that you're looking at uh, and saying I want to make a copy of that. And this was a small expansion to that. And I didn't think it was. Uh, out of the question to do uh, matt also didn't but i know that we had a lot of pushback back and forth on exactly what this should say and, and this is where the card landed and i think we're all uh pretty happy with it i, I enjoy playing with it and, and when i played limited with the set uh but i think it's a uh, i think it's fine I, I guess i don't really have a better answer than i it seems pretty good to me <laughs> i mean it required you making a rule but it was something you could do and it wasn't yeah. that hard to do um, right. Yeah, and it, it wasn't as extensive even as some of the other cards that uh, that we had to make some rules for in the set. Okay, next up is Nearby Planet. So it's a land with Rangeling. This card is every land type, including plains, island, swamp, mountain, forest, desert, gate, lair, locust, and all those Urza ones. Nearby Planet enters the battlefield <laughs> tapped. When Nearby Planet enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless you pay one. Yep. Okay. Uh, this one. This is one where um, we talked about it uh, briefly, I remember. And the issue with giving something all land types instead with saying this thing is all land types. Um, uh, what you end up, if you set something's land type to a basic land type, which you are doing with that card, uh, and what you end up doing is saying, okay, though the rules say it's a basic land type. Now it's that basic land type. It has the mana ability that goes with that land type and it loses all of its other abilities, which is not what we wanted this card to do right um and it is you know this is another one where um we could probably have changed some rules to make that work but if we to do so we're kind of touching some some assumptions about how land types work uh which is a little bit of a dangerous space that we don't want to get into where we're talking about making changes especially when it's for one card in a situation like this Another big thing about this particular card was, so Carmen was the one on the team looking at, she's a play designer, uh, Carmen Handy's a play designer, and she was making comments about how there were some scary things about this for Legacy, so we also wanted to be careful. So not only were there Mm -hmm. some slight rules issues, but probably it was more the worry about Legacy that made this acorn than anything. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it definitely has rules issues. Um, It's, uh, I just I remember us talk, 
talking about it briefly, talking about the rules issues, and I don't even I don't think uh, that one came up again because we spent a lot of time talking about some of the other cards that are on this list. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think Carmen Roy said she just she didn't want to see it in Legacy, and it it, ha- it had some rules issues. So we're like, okay, fine, let's not let's not push this. Fair one. enough. Okay, next up, Scooch, one in a black instant. Add or subtract one from target creature's power, target player's life total, or target die's roll result. Draw a card. So this is what I get asked all the time. This is an acorn card. Why? Why is this an acorn card? There are only certain things in magic that we can target. Um, you can target uh, objects. You can. Or, sorry, let me rephrase that. It's true, but you can target uh, creatures on the battlefield, permanents on the battlefield, cards that are in other zones. You can target spells and abilities on the stack, and you can target player. Um, you can't target things that aren't any of those things. So you can't target a counter on a creature, for example. You can't say move target counter from one creature to another. You can move a counter, but you can't target it because it's not one of those objects you can target. This is also true for die rolls and and dice. You can't target a die and you can't target the roll of a die. That's not a game concept that the rules recognize as an object that um, that you can target. So there wasn't a way that we could structure this card... Uh, that still referred to that thing and had and was able to target it and say and group it in with the other things and say change, change the style roll. Yeah, another thing to keep in mind is this is a modal card with three effects. We wanted the three effects to feel connected, and what we would have to do to write it would make them feel like three random things that have nothing to do with each other, and that that was the card would just be inelegant. So that that, that often is the case as well. Okay, next up, Solaflora. Uh, intergalactic icon, three white white. Wanna, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just I want to clarify. You said it's a modal card, um, and you mean that in the sense that it has more. Than sorry, one sorry. I, I, it's not. Like, you're correct. No, you're, it, it has uh, just, multiple things you can do. It's not technically a modal card. It's a good call. Yeah, uh, just because we were also talking about far out, I want to want to be clear yeah. about the distinction there. Sorry, please continue. Sorry, I, for the longest time in R and D, we use modal to mean multiple choices, and then the rules officially made modal mean something, and I it's just old habit of calling something. It's oh, old, yeah. it's old yeah, slang. People still do say so, you know, this is this is modal, and what they mean it has it yeah. has choices, and the definition is yeah. Okay, so now Solar Flora Intergalactic Icon three white white three three legendary creature human guest, or as an equipment you control attached to Solar Flora Intergalactic Icon affect other creatures you control as those auras and equipment were attached to them. Counters and stickers on Solar Flora affect other creatures you control as those counters and stickers were on them. So she's an acorn, and this is another card I get asked, why? Why can't we do this? Um, this is a really good one to talk about, because this one looks on its face like, oh yeah, it's really obvious what this does. Uh, but when you start diving in and looking at, it, when you start looking for the problems, in, especially in a, you know, equipment and enchantments that could be attached to her, um, you start to realize there's some very strange and contradictory effects uh, that can occur. Um, there's some very undefined situations, especially when it involves um, things that refer to co- or like costs something have that refer to the equipped creature. So like if something says if the equipment has tap this equipment uh, and or like tap tap the equipped creature to do a thing, uh, it wouldn't be clear how that would work with something like Solaflora. There are a bunch of other examples where it it isn't clear at best it is amb- ambiguous or just can't work if you have a specific aura or equipment or a set of auras or, or, or equipment that are on there. Um, and it, you just end up with the, not just unintuitive, but kind of nonsensical result in the rules. Um, so we, this isn't something we were able to make work in a way that, that made sense. Uh, 
I don't know that we tried too hard to, to look at all of the caveats that would be necessary to make that work, but uh, there are a bunch of problems that mostly involve just other equipment and auras. Uh, and I, I had not, I wish I had looked before we uh, had this conversation to give a couple of examples because I don't remember at this point the specific examples, but I know that that was the main problem. Yeah. And also usually what happens is once you start finding four or five problems, like there's just a point where like, there's enough problems. We're not going to solve all the problems. Yes, that, that absolutely. Especially with a set like this, where there's a, just a whole bunch of like one-off different things we have to worry about. Okay, next up, it's a card that I, I it's an acorn card that I, I actually, it shocks me people think this is even remotely close to Eternal, but uh, it's called Soul Performer, two green green, oh. it's for a 2-2 two, two creature elf performer, tap, add tap, tap, activate only once each turn, while activating an ability, use tap rather than tapping the permanent to pay for tap. So I, I love this card. It's a fun card, so but let's talk a little bit, why, why isn't this in normal everyday magic? Yeah, well, you know, when you add mana, what you're really doing is you've got a you've got a, a resource called your mana pool, and you add mana, and mana kind of just goes to live there. And so, like, if I tap an island, I now have one blue mana that's just kind of floating there, waiting for me to use it. Um, when I tap a creature, it doesn't work the same way. I don't create a tap symbol that's waiting for me to use it. That's just that symbol just means the cost of this thing is to tap the creature. Um, so adding a tap symbol. Uh, even though it's something where it's like, okay, that's weird and neat, and also I totally get what it's doing. Um, when I adding a tap symbol is just, it's it only makes sense because of how we think of mana, but it's not mana, so the rules don't support adding a tap as a resource in that in that sense. Tap just means the cost of tapping a creature. It, it doesn't mean this is a thing you have. Right. I mean, I think people conflate because mana has a symbol and it's right. a cost. And tap has a symbol and it's a cost that they are the same thing and they're just not the same thing. Yeah, this is a really interesting one because um, if you look at it, if you if you aren't familiar with what you just described and some of the intricacies of, of mana and symbols and that in the magic rules, uh, you got this card. It looks like it should work. Um, but I this was actually when the set came out, this was a great example of cards that uh, magic judge friends of mine who were very involved with the rules. I showed it to them and they're just scratching their heads going, I don't understand how this could possibly work. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, that's why there's an eight card on it. <laughs> mm -hmm. OK, next up, we have Space Balerin. So Space Balerin is where is he uh two white blue uh he's a legendary planeswalker jace uh with three loyalty uh he has space sculptor space balloon divides the battlefield into alpha beta and gamma sectors if a creature isn't assigned to a sector its controller assigns it to one opponents assign first for a plus one ability creatures in each sector can be blocked this turn only by creatures in the same sector Minus one loyalty, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature in the sector of your choice, and minus five, destroy all creatures in the sector of your choice. Um, so this is a card, he, this is Eternal, uh, and this is the card that people ask me all the time, like, how is this Eternal? How is this not Acorn? How is this not Acorn? Yeah, I asked myself that question when I was writing the rules. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this one is, uh, uh, this is an interesting case where it actually really highlights something we do in Magic Rules all the time. It uses a keyword ability and then some reminder text that tells you some 
some parts of the keyword ability that you need to that you need as a player in order to understand what's going on. But all of the the crunchy rules bits are kind of hidden in in under the hood in the actual comprehensive rules. There's a much longer section about what space sculptor actually means uh, when it's on on cards, and so the way that we can we can get all of that information is to use a keyword ability. Um, now we can't do that all the time because if you introduce too many of these kinds of words, then it becomes confusing uh, in a small, uh, as you know, too many too many specific words in a small space of time just can be overloading. But it, it, we can use it to get more information onto a card. Just like flying, which is very resonant, means uh, you know this creature can't be blocked it except by creatures flying in reach. Um, we don't have to write that on the card every time we put flying on a card. You just know what it means. Um, so we did that. And Space Sculptor um, is a little bit hacky how it actually works because it, it really just gives your creature's designations of the different sectors that they're in, or everybody's creatures, I should say. Um, it doesn't technically divide the battlefield into sectors, as the reminder text implies. Could we do that? Maybe. That's a really big ask for, for the one card we have here. But because I knew that we could get to a way of, of approximating that and getting this play correct, this is definitely something we can do in Acorn. But the reminder text kind of guiding you as to what's actually happening. Well, I mean, but this is, this is Eternal. It's not Acorn, right? I'm sorry, I meant I meant no, you meant internal. Okay, I, I, I apologize. I just misspoke. Okay, so the next here's another card that people seem to think like just should work, and I don't think it's remotely close to working. Is trigger happy? So one in a red for an instant. Choose a triggered ability of target permanent. It triggers. You control that ability. Why? Why can't this be eternal? Uh, so trigger happy. So. Causing a triggered ability to trigger is a little weird uh, in, on its just on its own. Figuring out how we make that that work in the rules, support abilities triggering that way um, would be new and, and novel. In addition to that, there are a bunch of questions about things like who controls the ability when you do that. So, it, it, uh, refer, I'm sorry, I know you just read it, but does it, it does it target a triggered ability of something you control or anything? No, it says choose a triggered ability of target permanent. And you do it, not need it, to control it. Yeah. So that's another issue. Is it's, there are a lot of triggered abilities where it's not clear what would happen if another player controls the uh, the ability, and you know if I choose your your ability on your creature, um, it, it, who who controls it? Do you control it or do I control it? Because I had the, the trigger happy card. It would be a question we need to answer, and neither answer was actually all that intuitive when you start looking at all the all the different triggered abilities that can happen. Uh, so that that was one where it, it's another one where you go, well, on its face, yeah, it's pretty simple. We could make that work. And then when you start diving into it and you start looking at the possible triggered abilities that we could be causing to trigger with this, you go, wait, there's a bunch of head scratchers here. And just like you described before, once you hit a certain number of those, you go, yeah, this isn't what we should do. Okay, next up is uh, Truss, Chief, Chief Engineer. Uh, so it's blue and a black. Legendary creature, Vidalcan Rogue Employee, 1-3. When Trust Chief Engineer enters the battlefield or another creature dies, put a hack counter on Trust. Two and tap, remove X hack counters from Trust, add or subtract X from a number or number word on target spell or permanent until end of turn. This effect can't be reduced a number below one or number word below one. Mm -hmm. um, so this is an acorn card. Uh, now we do sleight of mind where we change color words and magical hack where we change land types. Why can't we change numbers? Um, number words. 
changing number words is one of those where This one's a little more complex. Just in general, we try to avoid text changing effects for for a variety of reasons. I know we, we allow exchange of words, but uh, but text changing effects have some some weird issues. But number words are also weird because of localization issues. Sometimes um, the subtracting a number or number word isn't doesn't look like it works the same in another language as it does in English. So I think that was part of the issue there as well. Um, but we just try really hard to avoid the distinction of number words in uh, Eternal Magic. And I, I I don't recall the specifics of that conversation, but I remember us that being the, the reason that we couldn't do that is, well, we, this is this is a uh, number word is not a place we want to go. So could we make a card, could an Eternal card change, not number words, but just numbers? Could it do that? Oh, uh, well, then we get... Yeah. We get into the same problem of, uh, we get into some similar problems. I mean, that's something okay. we could potentially discuss, but I, I feel like here's the thing. Sometimes this will happen where I'm, I'm currently drawing a blank on why this was an issue. I'm being honest with you, mm-hmm. but I remember it being an issue. So there's a, pro, there's a very good chance that I'm going to think about it 10 minutes after this podcast and be like, Oh, right. Here was the reason I apologize <laughs> for not having that, uh, having that in front of me at this moment but that happens a lot when i'm discussing something where i'll go oh yeah maybe we could do that and then i'll i'll message somebody a few minutes later go nope i found the thing here's the reason we can't do it okay we get to our last card today and this is an interesting one uh tug of war oh yeah four and a green sorcery players play a sub game starting at five life and with up to three permanent cards with different names from their main game library on the battlefield as the subgame ends, the winner chooses one of the cards they put on the battlefield as the subgame began and puts it onto the battlefield rather than shuffling them into their library. This is an acorn card. Why? Why is it an acorn card? Why well, why, why couldn't we do this in Eternal? Um I mean there are a couple of templating tweaks that, that if you wanted to do it in Eternal, I could I, I would suggest, but the truth is we can. Subgames already exist in, in Eternal. Um Shahrazad is uh, it's not legal in most uh, most like tournament formats, but uh, but sub games are already supported by the Magic Comprehensive Rules. And in fact, I remember you asking me several times. Um, well, several is not the right word. But I remember you asked me once or twice. Hey, we can do this, right? This is this is eternal legal. Like, yeah, actually, sub games are totally fine. This, this requires fewer changes than anything else. Uh, but it turned out that there were there were other issues with uh, with sub games as a whole. Uh, and you might have more information about that. But yeah, yeah. The, the rules are concerned. Some games are fine. Yeah, the interesting thing about this is we originally, this was an internal card in our, mm-hmm. when we went to the slideshow where we showed the rest of, of Studio X, the, the cards, R&D, the cards, um, it was it was eternal. And it was literally the number one comment I got from the slideshow was, what in the world is this doing eternal? This should be Acorn. Mm-hmm. And what we found was, the vast majority of people just like it felt like it should be acorn. Like, yes, it worked in the rules, but that's not the only determiner. Um, it just, I mean, part of it is it can delay tournaments. There's, there's a lot of offshoots of sub games. Um, but the biggest issue was kind of a feel thing. Like, it just, it didn't feel right as being eternal. But it, it's a good example where you were not in any way, you like, you gave the thumbs up, I made it eternal, and it changed not because of anything with the rules. Yeah, I was in, I was never opposed to uh, a sub game being eternal. That was yes is and still remains fine if you want, if you wanted to do it. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I want to thank you. Like I said, uh, 
the one of the things that's really interesting about having a product where there's a line between, you know, the Acorn internal line that this is the only product to ever have done that. So it is a I think it makes people want to question why things are on either side. So I'm glad to have you on today to sort of walk through some of the more uh, contentious ones, I should say. For sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I was glad to be here. Thanks for thanks for chatting. The whole the whole thing. I'll just say real quick. The whole thing was super fun uh, to go through all of those cards and try to figure it out and all the back and forth we had. It was a real joy to uh, to make this set. I hope people have fun playing with playing it. Well, I want to thanks, thanks, Jess, for showing up today. And uh, like I said, it was fun to talk, talk, talk all this through. Uh, but to everybody else, guys, I'm at my desk. So we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic and magic rules, it's time to make some magic. So I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.